series here on Beloved Revealed. The last episode we had Ruthie Dubois on talking about mental health and faith and about trauma and it was a really good episode so if you haven't listened to it yet make sure to go to the previous episode and check that out and this time we're following it up with talking a little bit about pandemic trauma and how to cope with things that are to come after this really hard time in our lives. So I will hand it over to Ruthie just to talk a little bit about what we can, you know, be expecting trauma-wise or just struggles-wise um, and how we can cope with that. So Ruthie, take it away. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me back. Um, so I think one of the first things I want to start with is saying like, everyone's COVID trauma is probably very different than the person next to them. Um, even Katie and I have talked about in Ireland, she's restricted to what you were restricted to five. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were like literally stuck in, um, I couldn't leave like three miles. So yeah. And I could leave. I went to Florida during COVID. <laughs> like I was able to go wherever I wanted to, as long as I wore my mask, got my COVID test, did everything I needed to do like socially isolated whenever I was there. Um, but so first of all, there's just a big difference in the way that people have personally responded to COVID and, and have been forced to respond to COVID. So um, especially people who are in an at-risk category, uh, essentially, if we think about the last year and a half, it's just been nonstop anxiety because it's, you can't leave the house and ensure that you are okay or that things will be okay. So there's just a lot of compounded things that have happened. But one of the things that's kind of um, maybe cool is not the right word, but good about COVID is that we all are experiencing this at the same time together. So even though it's going to be different person to person, I think there's been some community in this experience that might not have existed otherwise, where a lot of people were able to say, like, I have to do this thing to protect people that I don't know, people that I do know. Um, and we're all kind of going through this together. So if you remember at the beginning of COVID, everyone was like, let's do like Zoom game nights. Let's like do Zoom happy hours. Like all these things that people were really pushing to try and connect with each other and make sure each other was okay, essentially. But um, I don't know about you, but as time has gone on, a lot of people stopped doing that. Yeah, <laughs> and, Zoom fatigue is real. Yes. People are like, I actually don't want to hang out with my friends on Zoom because <laughs> I don't want to go on Zoom any longer than I have to. Yep. <laughs> um, we've seen a lot of increased um, body dysmorphia because people stare at themselves all day. Oh. Um, and so there's like a lot of, I'm staring at the way I look. I don't like the way that I look by the end of the day. I'm thinking about how terrible I look and in Zoom meetings, things like that. So there's just been a lot of different things that have come out of COVID. But in general, um, I think one of the first things we can start with is as we're exiting the pandemic to some extent, knock on wood, <laughs> I don't want to risk that. America, at least. <laughs> yes, as, as America is slowly exiting this <laughs> pandemic, um, there's just a really increased sense of social anxiety and still general anxiety. Because even though people might be like, okay, I have the vaccine. I'm spending time with people that are in my bubble. I'm going to be outside. There's all these compounded things to ensure some level of safety. There's still an unknown. And I think for a lot of people that can be really scary and overwhelming. So I've had friends and people that I love that have really struggled with the process of actually taking that step and like getting outside and doing things again, because there's still this fear that's been pushed 
and essentially like they've seen over the last year the effects of what COVID can do to people if it's left unchecked essentially. Um, so for a lot of people, it leads to this compounded anxiety in terms of, am I safe when I go to a restaurant? Am I putting waiters and waitresses at risk? Am I um, gonna be okay to go to this thing next week if I was there last week, whatever, all of these things. But on top of that, there's this social anxiety that I think a lot of people have described to me. And I can say I've even experienced it in my own life. When you go from spending no time with anyone except for your bubble, which might be like two or three people, to going into groups again or into settings where you're checking like how's your life how are things going a lot of people leave feeling like did I say the wrong thing was I weird did I forget how to like respond to social cues did I like say too much or too little they're having all of these doubts after the fact and before so a lot of people are like before I even go out I can't find the ways to calm down I can't be like oh it's gonna be okay like you're just hanging out with your friends. It's created this essentially a, a big gap between what used to be an enjoyable experience and what is now like, okay, I'm trying to get back to normal, but my body and my brain aren't necessarily there yet. Like I know that I can hang out with my friends and that I miss my friends, but also when I'm with them, I find myself caught in my own head. Yeah. Um, even like, I, <laughs> I can attest to this. Like I've, <laughs> Ireland's been opening up maybe just a little bit, but um I have some friend I have one friend here from college so like I'm comfortable with her but then like she lives with totally new people and mm -hmm. it's like before I go over there I'm like am I going to be embarrassing when I'm there like what am I going to say and I've always been an extrovert but ever since like things have started opening up and I've begun socializing outside of my same four to five people I'm like oh my gosh am I saying the wrong thing I'm like I'm anxious before and then after I leave like you just said I'm like okay, um, that was all right, but like I can do better next yeah. time. And then I just work myself up for like the next social gathering that I'm going to. And I'm like, I was, I've never been this way before. Right, right. It's because yeah. for so long, like you didn't have to think about it. It was just something you did. Like you were social every day or every other day. It was just part of your life. And now it's an event every time you're being social. So yeah. you're getting yourself built up of like, what is going on? How do I manage this? Um, and I, I think a lot of people, especially people who are extroverted, who've never experienced that are struggling with like, what is going on? Why am I acting this way? I've heard a lot of people who are introverted have said that they actually kind of liked the process of like other people finally know how I feel, first of all. And second of all, um, I don't feel as awkward if the other person's thinking about, are they awkward? It's a little bit like more toned down. I also have heard a lot of people say that when they go into social settings now, they have to think of like, what am I going to talk about? Cause I don't experience anything day to day. Yeah. Like usually we have stories. Right. <laughs> now it's just like vaccinations or like COVID around the world, like different, I, the weather still like, <laughs> it's like all these surface level conversations and they're yes. like, well, wait, yes. we're more than COVID. <laughs> yes. Right. What did I talk about before COVID? Like what yeah. is going on? I don't oh, remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's like led people to this sense of like I don't even know what to say to you like what am I gonna do um yeah so I think that is like a big effect of COVID that I think we're gonna struggle with for a while until things become a little more routine I think also what COVID has done that everyone can attest to is People don't real. I always, this is how I describe it when I'm working with clients, people don't realize they have coping mechanisms until those are taken away. They don't realize that parts of their life are coping mechanisms. So like 
um, spending time with friends, uh, attending like yoga classes or group fitness classes where you feel like you're part of a community, but you're also like doing something on your own, um, going to church in person, going to Bible studies, going to like clubs that you're in, all of these things that we just did as parts of our lives. When those are taken away, you don't realize like, well, what is my life without all those things? Because that's what my life consisted of. So I think a lot of people too were then met with this sense of like existential anxiety of like, there's so many things I've never had to sit and think about, or there's so many things I've been able to avoid with activities or a busy work life. Um, and now I can't because <laughs> you're stuck with them. So a lot, we've seen a lot of increased suicide, a lot of increased, um, like genuinely difficult anxiety of like anxiety attacks every day, things like that, where all these things kind of compound and leave you sitting at home with nothing to cope with. So even especially substance use over the last year has just been like, uh, I think it's one of the worst years since like the opioid ep epidemic in um, the US at least. I don't know about Europe's numbers. Um, but in the US, it's been like one of the worst years, especially for young people who struggle with addiction. Um, and a lot of that is because like, what do people who struggle with addiction use as a coping mechanism? Um, groups, people, like community, like AANA, like um, spending time in activities, like a lot of people when they're uh, working towards sobriety are engaged in like volunteer activities, so many different things that kind of keep you busy and keep you checked. When you're stuck at home again, like those are going to be the first things that you're struggling with because it all kind of comes back. There's nothing really to help you cope. So over the last year and a half, or I don't even know if it's been a year and a half anymore. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> Over the last, however long COVID's been here, it's almost been a year and a half. It's like a year and two months or whatever. Um, there's just been a lot of change in our, in our abilities to cope because we didn't call it coping. You didn't, like before it wasn't coping. That was just your life. That's just how you lived. Yeah. Um, and then you're like stripped of those abilities to function day to day. Yeah, I think something that's helped me at least is being in community with like the same, you know, morals, values, like humor, like that's been really helpful. Um, but I'm almost wondering, like, what are some, like, I think, like you were talking about for substance abuse, community is super important. And like meeting in person for things like socializing is actually very important and like a essential part of humanity. So mm -hmm. what do you think are good coping mechanisms like outside of that, since the pandemic has kind of taken that away. I know it's like, you can start to go back into that, but also like, how can you get back into it in like a safe and healthy and, you know, positive way, but also like, what are some outside coping, coping mechanisms other than community right now? Mm -hmm. yeah. So no one's going to like this answer because it's not <laughs> fun, um, but routine like having a routine is one of the best things you can do for your mental health so I think a lot of the things that happen with COVID too is people are like oh I work from home so I roll out about at 8 45 I start my work day at nine I go through it and then I <laughs> and then I lay down I watch tv and then I go to bed you get this like kind of like icky routine like yeah that's a routine but it doesn't feel intentional so having an intentional routine of like daily exercise so again, nobody's going to like that answer. People don't like these answers because I'm like, I'm sorry. I know, like, I know that that's hard work. I know that that's a lot, but the reality is that our bodies need to move and COVID has restricted movement so much because you're stuck inside. And so that lack of movement actually heightens your anxiety in general too. So if you're already struggling with anxiety, sitting inside all day and thinking about how you're anxious, that's not going to 
help. It's just, that's just going to compound it. So daily movement built into a routine, eating like a genuinely well, well-balanced meals instead of like not eating and then binging on healthy foods and then going through like a pattern. So eating like actual meats, or if you're vegetarian, like proteins, greens, like think just kind of building in like an actual well-balanced eating habit, because essentially unfortunately too, um, the way we eat is really connected to our mental health. There's tons of books about it. So if anyone, if you're ever interested and there's people who know more than me, um, who are dietitians and psychiatrists, but we do know that there is like a gut connection to our mental health. Um, well, I think sometimes it's like made a little bit easier or simpler than it is. It's not like, Oh, I take a probiotic and I'm not depressed anymore. Like that's not how it works, but there are connections. So if you're eating crappy, you'll start to feel crappy essentially. Um, and if you're not getting like enough vitamins, especially women, uh, women have a really high need for healthy fats. And when we don't get healthy fats, we actually have increased anxiety. Um, so that's like avocados, like stuff like that. Um, that's why a lot of women take like fish oil supplements, things like that. But in general, there's a lot of different ways that we can manage our general health that can help with our mental health. So like I said, routine, waking up at the same time every day, trying to go to bed around the same time every day, giving yourself time intentionally removed from screens. So we just mentioned zoom fatigue, but a lot of people finish their day on zoom and then go to watch TV. <laughs> so that that's just going to lead to the same cycle of like, I kind of feel mindless. This is just kind of like something I'm doing. Like, I feel like I'm just here, but I'm not really experiencing anything. Um, so like taking a walk after work is a great thing. If you have that option. Um, I know a lot of people over the last year have really relied on like a daily walk as like a means to leave the house, feel better. And that, that can help you even just to be outside. I know personally over the winter, like out, outdoor walks for like my saving grace. I think it just helped me to be a little more attuned with like, I'm not just coming home. It's already dark. And then I watch TV and then I go to bed, like getting out of that kind of like unintentional routine essentially. Um, so these are all like daily living things, but I also think well, I know mindfulness can be a really helpful tool to utilize, especially if you're struggling with like a sense of anxiety um, day to day and like an existential sense of like, I don't really feel like I have meaning in my life right now. So mindfulness, I think it's a bad rap because it's like a very loose term. It can mean anything basically is what I say. Like if you find yourself being able, some people like for a mindfulness activity will garden for 30 minutes. Like that can be mindful if you're being intentional, you're not listening to music, you're not on the phone, you're not checking the time, you're not kind of like pulled into outside sources, you're kind of focused on what you're doing right there. Um, and then mindfulness can also be like deep breathing. There's a lot of cool breath work classes that you can do online. Um, some people even do those like live, like yoga classes, but breath work can be really interesting because it kind of teaches you how your the pace of your breathing can change the way that you feel if that makes sense. So a lot of the times too, with COVID, I've heard a lot of people don't really even notice the amount of like muscle tension, like the anxiety in their body, like where it's sitting, yeah. <laughs> like, like in your neck, on your jaw. Yeah. yeah. All of those so things. Bad. Yes. And you hold, you hold that anxiety in. And so 
essentially whenever you're anxious and your body is like showing you that anxiety and it's continuing on, it, it gets exacerbated more whenever it's left unchecked. So mindfulness activities can be really cool because if you're doing something like yoga, a lot of the times, if you do a specific, like, so specifically, I usually re- recommend yoga nidra, which is not like an exercise yoga, but like, it's an, it's more of a mindful yoga where it's like, they're going to tell you like, check on your jaw, like move your neck left and right. Like do like the slow things where it's going to pull you into how am I feeling as opposed to like, do like crunches, like not that kind of yoga. (laughs) If your yoga is like making you super sweaty, it's probably not as mindful. (laughs) It's more of a workout and there's nothing wrong with that. You should work out too, but that's not going to give you the same kind of like mental release. Um, so those are all like very holistic tools that you can use. Another thing is like getting a therapist, having someone to talk to about what you're going through, because, um, what's kind of cool that I've experienced last year is that like, I'm going through the same things as my clients. So whenever a client's saying to me, like, it sucks that I can't hang out with my friends. It sucks that I come home every day. And I feel like I do the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like that's, what's made this year. So interesting is everyone's going through that at the same time. Like everyone's having that same sense of compounded trauma and like this really is a trauma because there's been this life-threatening sense of like am I going to be okay and that's compounded by all of my coping mechanisms and my routine have been taken from me so that is traumatizing like just matter of fact so I think also validating that for yourself um and giving yourself that grace of saying like this sucks like and it's okay to say that this sucks and I know that there's people dying so it could be worse but that doesn't mean that this doesn't suck for me right now right Um, also thinking about like so this is all really good stuff that like I hopefully have been trying to do over the past year and a half or however long it's been and now that like the world is open up opening up you know it's worth celebrating but what do you think about like you know jumping full force in and like that might not be the healthiest like really doing as much as you can like mentally I don't know how that would have an impact on me right now I think I would be exhausted and it would just like increase anxiety at this point so what are your thoughts about like kind of like weaning into normal pre-COVID lifestyle again? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to see um, an interesting amount of like, I'm sure like you'll, everyone will see some people on their social medias that are like just doing the most all summer, like the most, <laughs> yeah, like at a music festival and then at like another music festival and then on vacation, like there's just going to be some people who are like, this is it. Like I need to yeah. do everything. Um, but I think in general, I wouldn't recommend like being like, okay, I've lost all sense of like daily routine and responsibility. But in, I would say too, like trying to build in things that you've been thinking about all year. If you're the kind of person that loved going to yoga in person and you haven't been able to do it and now you can do that like once a week, see how do I feel being around people again? Do I feel safe enough? Like, is this like a good environment? I also encourage people like if you're concerned about COVID precautions and you go to a place and you feel like they're not taking precautions as seriously as you want, then don't go there. Like you don't have to <laughs> Like to find another, like there's probably other places and there's probably someone else who's doing it a little safer than what you liked. Um, so that's part of it too. Cause you don't want to be sitting there thinking about like, am I going to get COVID after this? Uh, is this it for me? Like you don't, cause then it's just going to compound the process of actually, I don't want to leave the house because when I leave, it's unenjoyable. Uh, another thing is like when we're building up that social anxiety, one of the things that's really cool. So our, our last episode, we kind of talked a little bit about DBT. And one thing that's cool about DBT is it builds in this concept of distress tolerance. Um, 
unfortunately, we fall in that generation of people who have been labeled as people who do not tolerate distress. <laughs> Fantastic. Because <laughs> yes. we all seek out instant gratification. We want things to be quick, easy, and as is. So um, what comes with that is when we don't tolerate distress well, we avoid things, we procrastinate, um, we opt out of things. I also think our generation is very infamous for like the implied blow off where it's like, if no one texted me that day, then it's like, I'm not going to text you. Cause then maybe we just don't have to do it. Like kind of this sense of like social isolation on accident, but kind of on purpose. Um, so part of it is telling yourself, this is a distressing experience. I'm going to hang out with friends. I feel anxious about it. I want to see them, but I feel anxious, but I'm going to do it because I need to prove to myself that I can do this and that I'm going to be okay. And that I'm going to make it through it. So kind of giving yourself that mantra of like, this is stressful for me, but I am choosing to tolerate it. I'm choosing to make it through this. Um, there's tons of ways that you can also build that in, um, into like what you're doing. So like planning for specific things or intentionally not planning, intentionally saying, I don't know what the plan is going to be like, and that's going to be stress inducing but I'm going to be okay. And I need to prove it to myself. So this isn't an easy process, no doubt. Like distress tolerance is something that I think takes a while to build up in people, but we all have that in us. It's just a matter of tuning into it. Um, so like, I think again, our generation gets a bad rap of like not being able to like manage things when they're hard or like put up with things and giving up quickly. But I think sometimes it's really, that's not the case, but I think sometimes too, like depending on the person, sometimes we avoid things and procrastinate and don't want to experience things. We don't, I mean, how many times have I've done it where there's like something that I avoid for weeks and then I do it. It takes me five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like I needed to call this person six weeks ago and I waited as long as possible and it took me five minutes and it wasn't and then even you hard. usually feel so good after. And it's yes. like, it's like me <laughs> editing any, like anything for beloved revealed. I'm like, I'm just going to wait four weeks. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then you're like, Oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. So that's a great example of like, we avoid things when they aren't fun. So if you find that going out with your friends is something you're avoiding, but you know, that in your heart you want, and it will be rejuvenating in the end. Also, you can give it to yourself in like small doses. So like I, for example, have tried to go out with like one friend at a time instead of like a big group. And I think that can be useful. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to hang out with groups of people again. Um, because I think even just one-on-one, -on -one, I was like, these are people I used to hang out with all the time and I'm getting anxious. Like, what am I going to talk to them about? Like, what do I have anything updates in my life? Meanwhile, I have like so many things I could talk about, but it's just the idea of like, this is the first time I'm having a conversation with someone in person for a long time. Like we've all texted each other. And, and then I have like, there's just a little bit of anxiety that comes with that. So choosing, like, actually, I think it's worth it to put up with this. And some people like to give themselves mantras of like, I can do this. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm strong. This is hard right now. Um, depending on what it is that you're trying to do, but yeah, building it in slowly starting small or even like seeing your family first seeing how that goes. Well, I guess it depends on who your family is. <laughs> that might be more stressful. <laughs> True. <laughs> it depends on who you are, but like trying to see your family and build that into like, what is this like to spend time with people that I know that I enjoy spending time with and kind of like yeah. building up, like, is it okay? Am I okay? And like the other thing is if you find yourself leaving a, a like group of friends or a hangout and thinking, did I say too many things? Did I sound weird? Blah, 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 blah. 
one thing that can be helpful is just telling yourself they're probably asking themselves the same thing. Yes. And you're not thinking that about them because you're caught asking yourself the same thing. So chances are they didn't say weird things and you didn't say weird things. So there's like a concept in therapy that I use a lot where it's like, what's the evidence for this? And what's the evidence against this? So you can ask yourself, what's the evidence that I said something weird? And what's the evidence against it? Like people laughed when I said that thing. So it must not have been that weird. <laughs> like you can ask yourself these things. It's even it like on Zoom calls. It's like, yeah, sure. Like you might've looked at yourself like for a really long time on Zoom, but like, I bet you all other people were doing that as well. Yes. Yes. And reminding yourself, other people are going through this too and they're coping however, however they can too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm even thinking about like the children, just like mm-hmm. in this day and age and like how, what we can expect from maybe like the next generation as well, because like their upbringing is very different from ours at least it's very virtual it's very you know maybe not community oriented and I'm just wondering how like the parent-child relationship things are working and all that (laughs) yeah so I think the next generation is going to be well from my experience I work with adolescents a lot um and I would say on average the amount of friends that I had in person and adult, I wasn't a super, super popular kid, but I wasn't like not popular. Like it wasn't like, it just like had friends, you know, mm. now on average, I would say most of the kids that I interact with have one friend in person. Like that's, that's like, they're, that's like what it's like. Like most of their friends are online or they play video games with them online. Like they don't know them. They live in other States. I have like, mm-hmm. I've met tons of kids who are like, I have 15 friends online that I talk to every day, but I'm one in-person friend. So we first of all need to acknowledge that like this next generation is going to be a lot more tech oriented, but also a lot more lonely because unfortunately, like we've learned when you have that in-person experience, it's different. That's why we're not hanging out with our friends on zoom anymore. Cause we're like, it's actually not even worth it. It's so <laughs> draining. <laughs> I'd rather see you in person or like call you. I don't need yeah. to look at myself anymore. Like there's just such a big difference. So this next generation of kids, I think is going to be a lot lonelier, a lot struggle a lot more socially, like struggle a lot more with like, what is a social expectation? What's not a social expectation? Um, how do I like respond when people are kind of mean? Like, I think there's a lot more shutdown quicker. Uh, it's that same distress tolerance concept of like, is this person saying something that's just kind of like mean or are they bullying me? Like, I don't know how to respond and it's just an immediate shutdown. Um, So on top of that, we have these same kids who are at home with their parents all the time. So I don't know if you remember what it was like to be in eighth grade, but (laughs) I don't think I would have liked to be home with my parents all the time in eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad. (laughs) Not them. It's what it is to be an eighth grader. Like that's just, is part of that stage of life. And so these kids have been not only forced to stay home and away from like their activities, the things that helped them. So maybe sports, school, musicals, whatever, those are all gone. And now they're stuck at home with the people that they probably don't like that much because you just don't like your parents when you're an adolescent, you just don't. And so on top of that, we have the even younger kids who are learning at a very delayed rate. So they're not going to be no offense. They're not going to be like the bright. I know everyone has seen those memes where it's like, I will not be seeing doctors who graduated from <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> like, so like things like that. But like, obviously those hurt. That's not fair. But there's still this experience of like, these kids are learning how to read over a computer. Like that's just not the same. 
So a lot of these kids are going to be delayed. So there's just going to be a different expectation, I hope, for what it means to be successful and on track um, because it's just going to look very different than it did for us. And then on top of that, a lot of parents and kids just they like I've there's so many memes and jokes about parents just being like so sick of their kids which is totally reasonable um I don't know how many kids are in your life but I spend time with my nephews and I love them wholeheartedly but I could not imagine being stuck at home with them every day and doing zoom kindergarten I just couldn't like I don't have that in me (laughs) like zoom kindergarten is just like that's unparalleled. Like, I don't know how even a teacher is teaching that. I don't know how anyone's surviving, but there's just like this compounded experience of the parent is also going through COVID also working from home has the same, probably if not more work expectations is parenting and is homeschooling all at once, essentially not homeschooling, but essentially watching their child do school. And a lot of kids I have learned from work are not doing their schoolwork because they don't care. They don't care. There's a lack of motivation because when you're stuck at home and it feels like nothing matters, you're not going to want to be like, let's go do schoolwork. That's just not, not happening. So I would encourage everyone, if you have kids, be patient with your kids, (laughs) try to involve them in activities. If you can try to get them to find other ways to do things. So like going outside, like doing nature scavenger hunts, going on hikes, drawing, doing art, getting dirty, like just making the most of things. I think in some ways, some parents have been like, this is really cool. I've never spent so much time with my kids. I've learned a lot about my kids over the last year, but I think with that, you deal with the stressors that come with that too. So actually making the most of the time with them. And if you don't have kids and you experience kids, well, we all experience kids in different ways. Just try to be patient with them because they don't know. <laughs> like They just don't know. And they have been essentially stuck in the situation where it's like day to day, their life is very different than yours was growing up. So that's what I try to remind myself. I was at Target two days ago. And I heard a kid that literally was screaming at the top of his lungs for 30 minutes about every single thing that he saw and wanted. And I found myself getting annoyed and I had to remind myself that kid probably hasn't left the house very much. And he's probably like, oh my God, you can just like buy toys. And like, I want that. And then you're not getting it for me. Like, because kids have been at home watching TV, mom, I want a sandwich. Okay. They get a sandwich. Mom, I want this. They get it. There's not that same experience that you have at a school setting where it's like, Hey, I want to go take a nap right now. Okay. It's not nap time. So we're going to keep doing this thing. You know what I mean? Like they're given a more autonomy, but it's not really autonomy. It's just some parents are just trying to survive. So they're like, if my kid wants to take a nap at noon, I'm going to give them that nap because I, I want them to take a nap too. Like, so there's just been this gap in like distress tolerance rewards and consequences, like punishment, like so many different things that just aren't the same as like a fully functioning, like normal time for children. So just try to be patient with kids. And in like, especially kids that are like high schoolers now, it sucks. Like they didn't get prom. They didn't get graduation. They like so many life events. I mean, they have every reason to be sad about that, but I think it's just kind of hard to understand when you don't put yourself in their, in their shoes. So yeah. Yeah. Poor kids. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me sad. I mean, like, like you said, though, at the beginning, like, we're all going through this at the same time and it's affecting us all in different ways. And I think that's what, what's the craziest part is like, we're all going to have different traumas and struggles with like recovering from all of this. So 
I think it's just a matter of like being gentle with yourself and like not forcing for me at least not forcing myself to like do too much at one time because I'm like I want to just get back out there and do everything and socialize with everyone but like my body might not want that because I've been laying around a lot more and like relaxing and being more introverted more and I just have to realize like I have to be more gentle and like you said like routine like I have to have a routine in order for me to kind of like get back into the swing of things absolutely and I think too a lot of people have and I can attest this in my own life my like social battery is so much smaller like now when I hang out with people for like an hour I'm like wow I did that like that was a lot <laughs> job. Yeah, like wow I haven't needed to do that so and depending on who the person is obviously but like there's still like this buildup of like oh wow it's a lot harder to socialize in a group of people for hours whereas before I'd be able to go from like one party to the next party and not think anything of it and be and have a million conversations with random people now I'm like I just don't have the energy to have a conversation with this random person like I'm like I don't care anymore like yeah very different you just don't have the same energy and trusting yourself and being like I actually probably should only do one social activity today and that's okay that's true I even I was just uh overhearing a conversation about like dating during a pandemic too and just like how like say you move to like a new city or like a new place and it's like how do I even like date or like make friends in this place in a pandemic like virtual life is so important but like what is everyone's intentions on apps and this is like a tangent but that's even something like relationships are are very different now too I mean like they were developing like very much virtually before the pandemic like on tinder and all the apps but now it's just like more escalated almost like how else do I meet a person (laughs) right and I feel like a lot of people I know even have described like I met someone like two weeks into the pandemic and then I was like well I may as well just like keep hanging out with this person like (laughs) like essentially getting like pushed into a relationship and then like a year later they're like I don't know if I like them or if it was just like fun like I just needed something to do I had nothing we like watched movies together and they were in my bubble so it was fine like things like that where people were just like I'll accept this because it's here and I know I'm about to be lonely for a year so I'll take it like or it's even like if I make it like I've heard the phrase, if they make it through that pandemic, like they're set for life. Yeah. Yeah. Some couples have done so well over the pandemic and some, I mean, there's, there's a really great psychologist. um, Her name's Esther Perel. And she does a lot of like cool. uh, She has a podcast, she has Ted talks, books. She's really interesting, but she specifically focuses on like couples and she's throughout the pandemic done like a series on just like how relationships are being affected by COVID. And she like did a podcast series on like couples who've been greatly affected by COVID. Like for example, if your partner is a nurse and couldn't even be in the same room with you for nine months because we didn't know enough about COVID. So they stayed separate from their kids and their husband. Like, could you imagine like how that's going to impact a relationship? So yeah, couples, there's such a stark difference between a COVID couple versus like a not like in the normal times you have friends to say like that's actually weird that he said that you don't know like they're not they're not witnessing things like there's probably so many people who are in relationships that aren't really healthy and they don't know because no one's seen it no one can check it no one's that's not how people should respond people might even be in relationships with people that they don't know are like overly jealous because they've never been in a situation where they could be jealous like things like that where people are going to learn like that's a little I didn't know you did that or like 
what if you're like dating someone and then you like go somewhere with them and they're really weird and so <laughs> it's like you just don't know a period of just like waiting yeah which is also kind of detrimental to like mental health and life in general because it's like I have to wait until this end goal to like date or to pursue a career or you know to work on my fitness or like things like that like I just feel like that's kind of in my mindset for a lot of things like oh I'll wait until like I get home to do anything fun yeah (laughs) or things like that so I don't know there's just a lot of a lot of damage done. No, definitely. It's but yeah, I think like dating is going to be, and it's going to be hard for people because I think a lot of people are going to want to rush back in it, but then it's going to, I think sometimes with online dating, there's the idea of like, they need to fit all these boxes that are completely arbitrary and don't actually matter in the grand scheme of a relationship. <laughs> and so I bet a lot of people are going to start dating and then be like, Ooh, no, I'm done. Like real quick. Like, never yeah. mind. Like that. Nope. We're good. Like less grace for other people too or maybe even too much I think it can really range on depending on you but it's just not going to be the easiest dating world for a while Mm -hmm. I'm guessing this world I feel like Mm -hmm. the longevity of things like I think for me at least I have to just continuously like reflect and be attentive of like what I need what I desire what I want like Mm -hmm. what's healthy what's not like I feel like I'm going to have to like really work to move past this whole year and a half that we've been through yeah yeah we have yeah there's a a lot of growth that's gonna have to come from this for sure like people are gonna have to force I mean people who never had mental health issues have mental health issues that they can't manage and I think that as a therapist that's that's what I've seen a lot is people who I in my head would say like if there, if this weren't for COVID, this teenager would have been perfectly fine. Like there, I, and I used to work in a residential setting. So I had a lot of teenagers who were in the residential setting and I had to, there were so many times where I would be like, if COVID never happened, this kid wouldn't be here. Like this wouldn't have happened because once a kid who's already a little bit risky is left with a bunch of spare time and no one around them, they're more likely to engage in like significantly risky activities. But whenever they were playing sports and going to school every day and someone was checking on them, it was not the same. Like essentially it was like a lot of people were kind of set up for failure because so many things were taken away from them. But, and even adults, there's adults who've never had anxiety who are like, I don't know how people like manage this. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a, we're all in this together type thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think mental health therapy is just being very, like everyone kind of needs it. Like Mm -hmm. this is a a job that is much needed. Thank you for your work, first of all. (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be, I'm sure a lot of people in the US have already experienced this, but there's kind of like um, like a bubble happening right now where there's tons of need for mental health clinicians, but there's not enough clinicians. So in the past, it was always hard to find jobs as a therapist and hard to get like solid pay, like reasonable wages. And now it's turning into like, actually, I... I could find a million jobs. It's just a matter of which job do I want? Yeah. And then there's, which is a kind of a good thing because now the pay has increased to meet that. But regardless, like I work at a private practice and we get five calls a day for people seeking out therapy. And we had a wait list of 75 people. And that's just in the Cleveland like suburb that I live in. So, and that, and we, I have 30 clients on my caseload. So I have so many clients and there's seven other therapists that have 30 clients. So if we just think about how many people are seeking out therapy that weren't before. It's a lot of people. 
And a lot of place, oh, people will call our agency and be like, I'm on the wait list at three other places. Like there's not even enough therapists to help meet that need. And I think apps like BetterHelp and like Talkspace, those are getting a lot more um, traction because people are like, I can't wait for a wait list. I'm like an outpatient, like using my insurance. They're like, whatever, right. I'll pay cash. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think about like how a lot of health insurances don't cover mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, which that just frustrates me to begin with because I think it's absolutely necessary, but um, hopefully maybe like it's sad to say that maybe like a surge in like needing mental health clinici- clinicians will maybe change some policies. I think we've been more validated in the last year than we've ever been. Like I've had like a lot of uh, my professors and mentors like tell me like this is the best time for you to be entering into the field because there you're actually being respected for what you do for a really long time. It was just like, Oh, mental health. Like, okay. Like, like just take, just taking it to the press and call it a day. And now it's like, (laughs) wait a second, you can actually manage a lot more than we thought. And on top of that, like there's a lot more conversation around the use of therapy and why we need therapy. So I think now, if you find yourself struggling to a point where you don't feel like you can function, it's worth like seeking out therapy. Or if you're like, Hey, I just want to understand a little bit more about myself because over the last year I've been thinking a lot about these things and I just want someone to talk to that's objective and can help me like understand and conceptualize a lot of this. I have a lot of clients like that right now too, where it's like people that just genuinely want to better themselves and like understand themselves better. And there's nothing wrong with that. A therapist can help you do that. And it can, you can meet with them once a week. You can meet with them every other week. There's a lot of flexibility in that sense now where it's like, I think before it used to be, you need to be in crisis to be seeing a therapist. Yeah. But yeah, insurance is the worst. Yes, insurance is the worst. And <laughs> mental health therapy is being normalized. So that's good. Yeah, so hopefully positive. Yeah, hopefully they'll catch on. But yeah. I mean, some people have to pay like $100 out of pocket every session. Like it's just not achievable yeah. for some people. So, mm-hmm. and then some insurances cover everything. So I, yeah, but ask your insurance companies and call them and fight for things because they'll give them yes. to you. Exactly. Fight for things. Fight for <laughs> Yeah. So I guess just like in summary of um, COVID traumas, how to cope with them, what would your like number one advice or yeah, just advice. What would your number one advice be for moving forward from this pandemic into a more kind of pre-COVID lifestyle, I guess, so to say, even though I don't know. I don't even know if it's going to ever go back to pre-COVID. I know. I know. I know. I don't know if it will ever be like normal. Um, I think the biggest advice would be like honor your needs. So I think over the last year, a lot of people have changed in ways that they might not be realizing until recently. And you can honor the fact like, actually, I I need time to myself. And I didn't know that about myself before because I didn't have it. And now that I've had a lot of it, I found that I really like it. So that's okay. Build that into your schedule. Um, and just kind of honoring like, okay, I used to love doing this thing and now I don't really love it anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just am changing. And I went through something and that's hard. I know a lot of people talk about too, like gaining weight from COVID. And I think that's like a, as a therapist, I, I approach it as like health doesn't have a, a number or a size. That's not how health works. I mean, that's not just how I approach it. That's a fact. So, so feel free to argue with me about it, anyone, but um, it's not just like, oh, someone's body weight is equivalent to how healthy they are. So a lot of people too, over this 
time span have found themselves caught in a spiral with like how do they look and how do they want to look and how are they being perceived and wanting to be perceived because you just went through a freaking pandemic so you weren't moving at the same rate you were you were probably eating to feel better about things sometimes and there's nothing wrong with that you were just trying to survive like survive this process um especially as we get closer to summer there's going to be tons of things about how you need to lose weight and get ready for your bikini body or whatever so just like prepping yourself like I, my body led me through this. I got through a lot over the last year. I learned a lot about myself and that's okay. Like that's, that is what it is. Uh, so really just honoring what you need and being able to communicate that I think would be my biggest advice. And like being able to say to people like, Hey, I would love to hang out with you today, but I actually find myself struggling to get out of bed or I find myself struggling to leave the house right now, or I'm still kind of worried about COVID, whatever it is, kind of giving yourself that grace, but also challenging yourself. And like I said earlier, trying to get some distress tolerance, trying to put yourself in new experiences, because sometimes what mental health issues do is convince you that those experiences aren't worth it. And that vulnerability is really scary and that's it. There's no win. Um, and I think that's where life happens is that vulnerability. That's scary. Like I took a step and it was worth it. And I tried this thing and it was scary, but it was cool. And I learned a lot about myself or I tried this new thing and it was so fun giving yourself the chance to do that because unfortunately, a lot of the times mental health issues convince us that we're not worthy of that or that we're going to get hurt or that it's going to be worse than it is better. And so kind of giving yourself that grace of like, I can do things even if they're scary and it's probably worth it. Mm. And maybe sometimes it won't be. Sometimes it'll just suck. You put yourself out there for no reason. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's life. Like that's part of the process is like accepting just because it happened one way, one time, it doesn't happen that way every time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I truly just think like being honest and recognizing all that you need is like the best way to continue moving on. Absolutely. Yeah. Honoring the fact that you are human and you went through a really hard thing. Yes. And I think, I hope that like, no one's kind of in denial of that. Like, I think that's the first step is, you know, don't be in denial that like, this is like, like you said, sure. People are, people are dying because of this pandemic. Um, But like, this is also really hard for me, despite like, you know, me not dying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that I say to clients a lot, like, one person can be in pain, but that doesn't mean that you're not experiencing your own. And that comparison of pain doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the person that's dead and it doesn't help you. So comparing, I have a lot of people because I work with trauma a lot say like, well, this happened to me, but that's not as bad as this. And I say, well, it was that bad because it was that bad to you. Like it doesn't actually matter what happened. So let's process this. (laughs) Yes. Like some people have trauma from bullying and some people have trauma from like really graphic events. And that doesn't mean that they're not both real. So I think you need to honor that with the pandemic too, because some people are going to have traumas that are different. And some people are going to have pandemic trauma of like, I lost three of my family members to COVID. And some people are going to have pandemic trauma of like, I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. And those are both valid and real. This was good. Thank you for (laughs) the last uh, two episodes of just talking real stuff. Like, I think this stuff needs to be talked about online because I know it's starting to begin to be talked about a little bit more um but I just think like like just how we should be honest with you know how we're feeling and how we're processing COVID things like we should be able to express that you know online and not put like a filtered reality over that as well so thank you for being a part of this (laughs) yes absolutely I am so grateful to be a part of this yes
Thank you so much for listening. If you have um, any questions, comments, concerns, don't email hopefully.revealed uh, <laughs> at gmail.com or don't. I was going to say, no, don't, don't send. And if someone's going to help me, I'm not ready for it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't have the energy. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.